Chapter thirty five of Barney the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Carl, St. Louis, Missouri, March two thousand eight. Barney the Vampire, Volume One, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter thirty five. The Explanation. Marchdale's advice, the projected removal, and the admiral's anger. This extremely sudden movement on the part of Varney was certainly as unexpected as it was decisive. Henry had imagined that by taking possession of the only entrance to the summer-house, he must come into personal conflict with the being who had worked so much evil for him and his, and that he should so suddenly have created for himself another mode of exit, certainly never occurred to him. "'For heaven's sake, Flora,' he said, "'unhand me. This is a time for action.' "'But, Henry, Henry, hear me.' "'Presently, presently, dear Flora, I will make yet another effort to arrest the headlong flight of Varney.' He shook her off, perhaps with not more roughness than was necessary to induce her to forego her grasp of him, but in a manner that fully showed he intended to be free, and then he sprang through the same aperture whence Varney had disappeared, just as George and Mr. Marchdale arrived at the door of the summer-house. It was nearly morning, so that the fields were brightening up with the faint radiance of the coming day, and when Henry reached a point which he knew commanded an extensive view, he paused, and ran his eye eagerly over the landscape, with the hope of discovering some trace of the fugitive. Such, however, was not the case. He saw nothing, heard nothing of Sir Francis Varney, and then he turned, and called loudly to George to join him, and was immediately replied to by his brother's presence, accompanied by Marchdale. Before, however, they could exchange a word, a rattling discharge of firearms took place from one of the windows, and they heard the admiral, in a loud voice, shouting, "'Broadside to broadside! Give it them again, Jack! Hit them between wind and water!' And there was another rattling discharge, and Henry exclaimed, "'What is the meaning of that firing?' "'It comes from the admiral's room,' said Marchdale. "'On my life, I think the old man must be mad.' He has some six or eight pistols ranged in a row along the window-sill, and all loaded, so that by the aid of a match they can be pretty well discharged as a volley, which he considers the only proper means of firing upon the vampire. "'It is so,' replied George, "'and no doubt, hearing an alarm, he has commenced operations by firing into the enemy.' "'Well, well,' said Henry, "'he must have his way. I have pursued Varney thus far, and that he has again retreated into the wood I cannot doubt. Between this and the full light of day, let us make an effort to discover his place of retreat. We know the locality as well as he can, possibly, and I propose now that we commence an active search.' "'Come on, then,' said Marchdale. "'We are all armed, and I, for one, shall feel no hesitation in taking the life.' if it be possible to do so, of that strange being. Of that possibility you doubt, said George, as they hurried on across the meadows. Indeed I do, and with reason, too. I'm certain that when I fired at him before I hit him, and besides, Flora must have shot him upon the occasion when we were absent, and she used your pistols, Henry, to defend herself and her mother. "'It would seem so,' said Henry, "'and disregarding all present circumstances, "'if I do meet him, I will put to the proof "'whether he be mortal or not.' 
The distance was not great, and they soon reached the margin of the wood. They then separated, agreeing to meet within it, at a wellspring familiar to them all, previous to which each was to make his best endeavor to discover if any one was hiding among the brushwood or in the hollows of the ancient trees they should encounter in their line of march. The fact was that Henry, finding that he was likely to pass an exceedingly disturbed, restless night through agitation of spirits, had, after tossing to and fro on his couch for many hours, wisely at length risen, and determined to walk abroad in the gardens belonging to the mansion, in preference to continuing in such a state of fever and anxiety as he was in, in his own chamber. Since the vampire's dreadful visit, it had become the custom of both the brothers, occasionally, to tap at the chamber door of Flora, who, at her own request, now that she had changed her room, and dispensed with any one sitting up with her, wished occasionally to be communicated with by some member of the family. Henry then, after rapidly dressing, as he passed the door of her bedroom, was about to tap at it when to his surprise he found it open, and upon hastily entering it he observed that the bed was empty, and a hasty glance round the apartment convinced him that Flora was not there. Alarm took possession of him, and hastily arming himself, he roused Marchdale and George, but without waiting for them to be ready to accompany him, he sought the garden, to search it thoroughly in case she should be anywhere there concealed. Thus it was he had come upon the conference so strangely and so unexpectedly held between Varney and Flora in the summer-house, with what occurred upon that discovery the readers are acquainted. Flora had promised George that she would return immediately to the house, but when, in compliance with the call of Henry, George and Marchdale had left her alone, she felt so agitated and faint that she began to cling to the trellis-work of the little building for a few moments before she could gather strength to reach the mansion. Two or three minutes might thus have elapsed, and Flora was in such a state of mental bewilderment with all that had occurred that she could scarcely believe it real when suddenly a slight sound attracted her attention, and through the gap which had been made in the wall of the summer-house, with an appearance of perfect composure, again appeared Sir Francis Varney. "'Flora,' he said, quietly returning the discourse which had been broken off, "'I am quite convinced now that you will be much happier for the interview.' "'Gracious heaven!' said Flora. "'Whence have you come from?' "'I have never left,' said Varney. "'But I saw you fly from this spot.' "'You did, but it was only to another immediately outside the summer-house. "'I had no idea of breaking off our conference so abruptly.' "'Have you anything to add to what you have already stated?' "'Absolutely nothing, unless you have a question to propose to me. "'I should have thought you had, Flora. "'Is there no other circumstance weighing heavily upon your mind, "'as well as the dreadful visitation I have subjected you to?' "'Yes,' said Flora. "'What has become of Charles Holland?' "'Listen. Do not discard all hope. "'When you are far from here, you will meet with him again. "'But he has left me. "'And yet he will be able, when you again encounter him, "'so far to extenuate his seeming perfidy, "'that you shall hold him as untouched in honour "'as when first he whispered to you that he loved you.' "'Oh, joy, joy,' said Flora. By that assurance you have robbed misfortune of its sting, and richly compensated me for all that I have suffered. Adieu, said the vampire. I shall now proceed to my own home by a different route to that taken by those who would kill me.
"'But after this,' said Flora, "'there shall be no danger. "'You shall be held harmless, "'and our departure from Bannerworth Hall shall be so quick "'that you will soon be released "'from all apprehension of vengeance from my brother, "'and I shall taste again of that happiness "'which I thought had fled from me forever.' "'Farewell,' said the vampire, "'and folding his cloak closely around him, "'he strode from the summer-house, "'soon disappearing from her sight "'behind the shrubs and ample vegetation.' with which that garden abounded. Flora sunk upon her knees, and uttered a brief but heartfelt thanksgiving to heaven for this happy change in her destiny. The hue of health faintly again visited her cheeks, and as she now, with a feeling of more energy and strength than she had been capable of exerting for many days, walked towards the house, she felt all that delightful sensation which the mind experiences when it is shaking off the trammels of some serious evil which it delights now to find that the imagination has attired in far worse colours than the facts deserved it is scarcely necessary after this to say that the search in the wood for sir francis varney was an unproductive one and that the morning dawned upon the labours of the brothers and of mr marchdale without their having discovered the least indication of the presence of varney Again puzzled and confounded, they stood on the margin of the wood, and looked sadly towards the brightening windows of Bannerworth Hall, which were now reflecting with a golden radiance the slant rays of the morning sun. "'Foiled again,' remarked Henry, with a gesture of impatience. "'Foiled again, and as completely as before. I declare that I will fight this man. Let our friend the Admiral say what he will against such a measure. I will meet him in mortal combat. He shall consummate his triumph over our whole family by my death, or I will rid the world and ourselves of so frightful a character.' "'Let us hope,' said Marchdale, "'that some other course may be adopted, which shall put an end.' to these proceedings. That, exclaimed Henry, is to hope against all probability. What other course can be pursued? Be this Varney man or devil, he has evidently marked us for his prey. Indeed it would seem so, remarked George. But yet he shall find that we will not fall so easily. He shall discover that if poor Flora's gentle spirit has been crushed by these frightful circumstances, we are of sterner mould. "'He shall,' said Henry. "'I, for one, will dedicate my life to this matter. "'I will know no more rest than is necessary to recruit my frame. "'Until I have succeeded in overcoming this monster, "'I will seek no pleasure here, "'and will banish from my mind all else that may interfere "'with that one fixed pursuit. "'He or I must fall.' "'Well spoken,' said Marchdale. "'And yet I hope that circumstances may occur "'to prevent such a necessity of action.' and that probably you will yet see that it will be wise and prudent to adopt a milder and a safer course. No, Marchdale, you cannot feel as we feel. You look on more as a spectator, sympathizing with the afflictions of either, than feeling the full sting of those afflictions yourself. Do I not feel acutely for you? I am a lonely man in the world, and I have taught myself now to center my affections in your family. My recollections of early years assist me in so doing. Believe me, both of you, that I am no idle spectator of your griefs, but that I share them fully. If I advise you to be peaceful, and to endure by the gentlest means possible to accomplish your aims, it is not that I would counsel you cowardice, but having seen so much more of the world than either of you have had time— or opportunity of seeing, 
I do not look so enthusiastically upon matters, but, with a cooler, calmer judgment, I do not say a better. I proffer to you my counsel. We thank you, said Henry, but this is a matter in which action seems specially called for. It is not to be borne that a whole family is to be oppressed by such a fiend in human shape as that Varney. Let me, said Marchdale, counsel you to submit to Flora's decision in this business. Let her wishes constitute the rules of action. She is the greatest sufferer, and the one most deeply interested in the termination of this fearful business. Moreover, she has judgment and decision of character. She will advise you rightly, be assured. That she would advise us honorably, said Henry, and that we should feel every disposition in the world to defer to her wishes, our proposition, is not to be doubted, but little shall be done without her counsel and sanction. Let us now proceed homeward, for I am most anxious to ascertain how it came about that she and Sir Francis Varney were together in that summer-house at so strange an hour. They all three walked together towards the house, conversing in a similar strain as they went. End of chapter 35